0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the word. Well, good morning, Heights family. What a great morning of worship, wasn't it? Isn't it right and good for our soul to worship the Lord? Man, that's awesome to be in the presence of the Lord. Awesome to see all those folks being baptized. You heard them say we have 16 today. You might remember back in April when we baptized, we had 19. We've had 35 people baptized in the last two months. Praise the Lord for that. And uh, good to see all of you on this Mother's Day. Want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. I certainly want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom because she's watching now. And she'll watch in the next service too because that's what moms do. They just, they if you're up, then they're, they're watching. So I, I will call you later, Mom. I had to work this morning. I'll call later. But I uh, certainly do wish a, a great Mother's Day uh, for all of our moms. Mother's Day is a day that is filled with a lot of emotion for a lot of reasons. But let's remember, it's not a calendar that directs us to honor, right? It, it, it's God. We need to be a people who honor moms who honor motherhood. There can sometimes be difficulties in that. Moms are not perfect, but God's commands are. It's good for my soul. It's good for my home. It's good for my society. When I, when you, when we honor moms. So uh, certainly pray this is a good day in your heart and life. Uh, As you celebrate this mother's day want to take a moment have a a time of prayer. I'm sure a lot of you heard saw this past Thursday was a national day of prayer Uh, And individuals churches courthouses were praying all over America and we want to take a moment and kind of put a cap on that Here at the heights. Let's have a word of prayer Father we come before you and uh, every week every week there is much to pray about in what is going on in our society, and our culture, in the United States of America. And Lord, I pray whether it's a day of prayer like Thursday or it's Sunday mornings across our country, I pray you see your people humbly and faithfully calling out to you. Humbly and faithfully depending upon you. Lord, we believe there is no answer apart and outside of you moving and working in each of our hearts, moving and working in all of these situations. Father, I continue to pray you you guide our nation as we figure out and work through whatever our role is in the situation with Ukraine and Russia. We pray for help and guidance there. I pray your church is strong and faithful, whether it's here or in the heart of Ukraine or in the heart of Russia that your people are being the people of God in this difficulty. Lord, we lift up to you our nation with the the leak this week of the Roe v. Wade decision. God, we ask for justice, we ask for peace, we ask your protection on our justices. Lord, I... I pray that even as that decision unfolds, and it it, it seems like Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned, Lord, that's not going to be the end of abortion. And I pray you would continue to help us to remove this sin from our culture. And Lord, it's not the only one. The sins are many. We're a nation that is just in so many places, in so many ways, rejecting you mocking you. God, we cry out for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray for our president, our governor, our congress, our courts. Lord, give them wisdom and give them guidance to do what is right and good and just in leading this nation. It would certainly be our prayer that they would do that from a biblical understanding of what is true and what is just and what is right. Lord, we ask that you're with each of them right now. Lord, we can keep calling out prayers. I I thank you that in our prayers we're never giving you information or ideas. I thank you that it's just the act of bowing and depending upon you. And I ask that you would bless that dependence that I trust you have seen this morning, Thursday, from your people and that you would move and work. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing today a a series on commandments. And I say continuing like, you know, it sounds like we've been in it for weeks now. We just started last week. Last week we introduced what we're going to be doing. We're looking at the two great commandments. Then we're going to look at the ten commandments. And while we're looking at the two and the ten, we'll look at all kinds of commandments because all of the commandments go back to the ten, back to the two. Are you with me on that? And we also saw last week that the thou shalt not is not something that God is hiding from us. It's not something God is keeping from us. It's in God's goodness. It's in God's love that he gives us each and every command. And each and every one of these commands is an opportunity for you and me to love God, to, to love him back. It's all about love. It's Jesus that said that. It, isn't it interesting that we have a, min, a mindset of Jesus, you know, loving Jesus? That, that he, you know, he just stands there and he just smiles at us. He never says no. He never says something's wrong because Jesus is loving, Right? No, it's Jesus who said, if you love me, you're obeying my commandments. You know, you can flip that around, make the opposite, and that's true too. If you're not obeying me, stop saying that you love me because you don't. Love and obedience go hand in hand. So a study of the commandments is a study of love. So we're starting with the, the first great commandment today, and uh, so go ahead and turn in your Bible, or if you're using a Bible app, we're starting with these first two, and then we'll go on to the 10, but go to Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter twenty. Two. And this will be the second time we've heard this this morning because uh, Mary, the first person we saw baptized, her favorite verse was Matthew twenty-two thirty-five 35 to 40. And that's what we're looking at now. Matthew 22, verse 35 to 40. It says there, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. And he didn't ask for two, did he? But when he says, and a second is like it, it means that you can't state one without stating the other. You, you can't just say there's one, there's two. There are two sides of the same coin. So when I tell you that you need to love God, I need to tell you also you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Boy, this is an important line, verse 40. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. So where I began reading, verse 35 there, that's actually coming in at the end of what has been an afternoon, and I actually don't know what time of day it took place, but we'll just say an afternoon. It's coming in on the end of an afternoon of playing a little game of gotcha. With Jesus. At least that's what they're trying to do. There's been a series of questions that they're asking him started back in verse 17. And, and in these questions, the goal is not to learn. The goal is not to get Jesus insight. The, the, the goal is not even to debate. They just want Jesus to say his answer out loud because they're asking him questions that are kind of hot topics They're they're asking him questions in which everybody in the room has a very strong idea and opinion about. In other words, if this was going on today, what they would have been asking him is, Hey, Jesus, mask or no mask? (laughs) See, they could care less what he says. Honestly, they could care less. They just know he's got it. mask. There's only two options. And when he says one of them, half the room gets up and leaves. And that is their goal in these questions. Not learning, not debate, not dialogue, not none of that. They just, they're trying to get somebody mad at Jesus. They're trying to develop some movement away from Jesus. And so they're asking loaded questions. Questions that are going to make people go, well, wait a minute. And so it starts in verse 17. It's a question about taxes. (laughs) No, No opinions there. Hey man, nothing ever changes. 2,000 years ago, that get a room rioting. Right? Verse 17 starts with the first question. That's on taxes, a political trap. Then we get to verse 28 and it's a question. It's a hypothetical question about this woman that has several husbands. And so the question is, who's she married to in heaven? And believe it or not, there's a theological trap there. There's a context behind that that I, I don't have time to go into today. But tr- trust me, that's a, that's a loaded question. And, and then we come to our third question. And in, in, in these first two questions, it's very much of a yes/no. There's a one word. In, in other words, it's not a you don't hem and haw, and you and you don't begin to explain. The question has an answer. Give it, Jesus. And and then they're waiting on him to give that answer and people to riot. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. Because Jesus is smarter than they are. Oh. Verse 18, he says, hey, y- y- I like I know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I know what's going on here. I know, I know this isn't about learning. I, I know what you're trying to do to do. And then he begins to give his answers. And and after one question, it says, they, the the crowd, marveled. Wait a minute, there's no way everybody could be happy with that answer. No, they marveled. After the next question, they were astonished. And so then we get to verse 34. And in verse 34, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they realize, hey, this isn't going like we thought. We need to huddle up and let's draw a new play. And then out of the huddle comes our lawyer, because that's what you need when you got dirty business, right? So I'm sorry for all the lawyers. That's not very nice. I have a lawyer myself. Uh, verse 35, we see our lawyer come. Now, who is this guy? What what is a lawyer? Uh, your translation may say lawyer. It may say expert in the law. What the literal translation of that word is is just very simply a man of. The law. Now, he's not going to help you with your speeding tickets. That's, that's not what he's going to do. Who is this person? He is a scribe. You may see him in other places in the New Testament, Old Testament, referred to as a scribe. What a scribe did is they made copies of the Hebrew Scriptures all day long, every day. That's what they did. Remember, there's no printing press. There's no books. Everybody doesn't have a copy of the scriptures at home. Almost nobody would have a copy of the scriptures at home. And so because the, the things they wrote on wore out, and because they wanted every synagogue to have copies of the scriptures, and you just you want to keep this thing going, you gotta have somebody making copies. And there was a real discipline and a science to doing this. Because they actually believed this was the word of God, then it needed to be treated as the word of God. And so they were very careful in how they made these copies. And then they were very careful in reviewing the copies that were made. And if there was a single mistake, the whole page would be destroyed. No whiteout, (laughs) no scratching out, making a little note to the side. You destroyed the entire page. Well, see, this is what a scribe is doing. He's making copies of the Scripture all day long. Well, guess what? After you've done that for... 19 years. After you've done that for 32 years, guess what? You know this pretty well. All day long, every day you're reading, you're writing, you're looking, you're staring at it. Now remember, they don't have copies at home. So when I've got a question, hey, does the law allow me to do this? Does the law speak to this? Who are they gonna go ask? Or ask a scribe. The guy knows every verse in the Bible. That's what he spends his life doing, and so scribes. You can see why now, why they're called lawyers. These are people I'm going to, I I need to know what does does anything say in the law about this, and so that's why they would be called an, an expert in the law. So we send this expert in the law to Jesus to ask a question. Now, notice this question is not a kind of a yes, no, one word. It, it is more of a dialogue. It's an open-ended question. Hey, God, or Jesus, what verse, what command is the most important? Now, there are 613 commands In the Old Testament. When they say the scriptures, they're referring to what you and I call the Old Testament. 613 commands. Which one do you think is the most important? And as you might imagine, that was a a hotly debated topic. You know, that's no different today, is it? I mean, one set of believers thinks this is what we ought to be about, this is what we need to be focused on, this is the commands that are important to us, and we call it a denomination. And we have a whole bunch of those, right? Because we don't we don't all agree on what should be the most important and what we should be focusing on. I think there's some very right reasons things kind of unfold that way. And obviously there's some very bad reasons that things unfold that way. So it's no different today than it would be there. No, I think this is the most important. No, I, I think a follower of Jesus ought to be focused on this, ought to be about this. Well, you know, and we get... When I have an opinion on that, it's pretty strong. And if yours is different, well, you're, you're just wrong. Maybe even a child of the devil. Do we not treat sometimes each other that way? So you see, when, when, when the scribe says to Jesus in front of all these people, hey, what do you think is the most important command? Oh, you can be sure everybody's ears are perked up. I want to hear what he's going to say. And he better say what I think is the most important command. Because after all... I know, right? And so now Jesus moves to answer the command. I, I'm guessing the scribe, you know, he probably comes into this thinking that Jesus maybe isn't even aware of... I mean, Jesus kind of knew on the scene, you know, I, I hadn't been around. He's not a scribe like me. He's not smart like me. So he may not even know all of the various groups out there and the various debates about what the most important command is. So I'm thinking he's coming in hot. And he thinks he's going to make sport of Jesus in in pretty short order. But guess what? Jesus is smarter than they are. That's a good place to remember that he's not only smarter than Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. He's smarter than your pastor. And he's smarter than you. You know, I doubt anybody in here has ever said, I'm smarter than God. I'm not saying it couldn't have happened. I just, I, I, doubt anybody's actually uttered that phrase. But we live like it more times than we can count. Do you realize behind every single sin is a statement, I know more than you do, God. Behind every single sin is that statement. I mean, I know you said I shouldn't do this, but clearly you don't know. Clearly, you don't understand. You you said that you know in 900 BC, or you said that in 100 AD. But you're you're not clearly you're not dealing with what I'm dealing with. Clearly, you didn't foresee how things would evolve and unfold here. You you just don't know. So you know a lot of times, especially unbelievers, I've seen quite a few believers do this too. We've got this idea of big sins and small sins. And it just boggles our mind that, that, that somebody could spend eternity in hell when all they've done is commit little sins. Who decided all you've done is little sins? But let's just go with that thought for a moment. All you've got in your life is little sins. You, you've got 19,700 places you told God you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing, you don't know what's going on right here, and I know better. Why? Because I'm smarter than you. Because I have a better understanding of what would work right here than you do. Well, that kind of puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? F- folks, behind every command in Scripture is all the knowledge of eternity. That includes eternity future, not just eternity past. All of the knowledge of the universe. Do you realize our most intelligent moments. Don't qualify to be dust. In the library of God's knowledge. He's smarter. Than you and I. When you read that. Oh. That's what smartness looks like. That's what the smart thing is to do. Or not do. In this moment. So. The questions on the table, what's the most important command? Again, it would seem like, man, there's no way he has an answer that doesn't rile somebody. So Jesus starts with a creed. That's what you and I would call it, a a, a creed, a statement of faith, a statement of belief. But what he gives them is a verse that, or two verses that every practicing Jew, every good Jew would know this verse because they recited it twice a day. Do you, you have a verse you recite twice a day? I don't, <laughs> but they did. And that verse was Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now, that's, that's the end of that verse, right? And every, and every one of them would have known that. So he says that, but he says, "Ah, oh, I'm not done. Jesus now comes in hot and says a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's actually what we're going to look at next week. But, but Jesus just said here, you can't name one without naming the other. Now, this next line, on these two hang all of the law and prophets. Law and prophets is their way of saying what you and I call the Old Testament. What he's saying is every command of Scripture hangs on these two. Do you realize what Jesus just said? The question is, what is the most important command? And Jesus said, every single one of them. Every single command is the most important. He just perfectly and succinctly wrapped up 613 commands with love God and love others. Because the goal of all 613 commands is to... Love God and love others. And again, they marveled. <laughs> and again, they're like, oh, my gosh, this dude, he's smart. There's no break. You know, brilliant. That's all the, that's all the answers God has. That, that's the only way you can answer is with absolute brilliance. Now, I've spent almost the entirety of my sermon time just setting up the context. And that's not our goal today to look at the context. <laughs> Our goal today is to understand what it means to love God, right? Our our goal is to leave here today with a a better motivation, a better idea, a better plan for loving God. Jesus said, hey, this is the most important thing you're going to do. This is the most important thing you're going to do this day, this week, this month, this year. This is the most important thing you're going to do in that health crisis. This is the most important thing you're going to do in that political issue. This is the most important thing you're going to do in your home. The most important thing you're going to do in that meeting is love God. Man, I better have a plan for that. (laughs) Right? Now, now Jesus says, hey, you know, he breaks it down. Love God with my heart, my soul, my mind, my my strength. That is certainly a very appropriate way to think about this. But we need to zoom out from that statement because the the goal of that passage is not that I break down my heart and my soul and what my mind is doing. The goal of the passage is to say you need to love God with everything you are and everything you have. With all that you are, including all all of the time that you have, love God. Okay, well, how how am I going to do that? Well, now, here's where we zoom back in, and it starts helping to kind of break down the pieces. How am I going to love God? As a matter of fact, I've got some questions on the screen here. You'll notice the first two come right out of the passage. I mean, those certainly count, right? How am I going to love God this week? Hey, that's a good question to ask, isn't it? Could there be possibly a more important question I will ask today than how am I going to love God this week with my heart or with my mind? Now, we don't stop at the words there because, again, that's where we zoom back out and realize it's with all that I am and all that I have that I am to love God. So now maybe I think, okay, here's how I'm going to love him with my heart. Here's how I'm going to love him with mine. How am I going to love him this week with my money? How am I going to love him this week with my family? How am I going to love him this week in relationships? How am I going to love him this week with the church, in the church, through the church? How am I going to love God this week with my decisions And you you look at those questions, like that that one on church. Isn't it interesting? Probably in the, I would say probably the tremendous majority of American Christians, I don't know if this is true all over, but it is in America, the church is extracurricular in my love for God. You, You can take it or leave it. Sometimes I need it, sometimes I don't need it. Anybody heard, anybody said, I don't need church to love God. I don't need church to worship God. I would suggest to you that Jesus would respectfully disagree with you. He calls not the building, not the sign out front, not the address, this gathering, what we do together in worship, what we do together in service, what we do together in prayer. He calls this his bride, the great love of his life. So how do I love him and think the greatest love in his life is something I can do without and any plan I have for loving God it has to be in and with and through his church. Now that's a, that's a lot of questions up there and I wish that was the end of the questions but you can just keep right on adding to them. How am I going to love God this week with my hurts? How am I going to love God this week with my frustrations? How am I going to love God this week with my dreams, with my goals? I mean, we can just keep going and going and going. And you see with at least the seven questions I have up there that right next to them is a verse. With my money, I put two verses. And I can promise you that verse 70 is not in there. I don't know why I put that. Because there's not 70 verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go, let's go with 2 Corinthians nine seven. I'm guessing the zero does not belong there. But but anyway, with each of those verses, you know what those are? A head start. There's a multitude of ways in each of those questions we're going to love God. And each of those verses kind of gets me going in a particular direction, multiple directions that I can love God. There's not just one way to love God in all of those areas. For instance, on the, on the one on money, I mean obviously when a pastor is talking about loving God with our money, we, we know what that means, right? You've you got to give it to the church, well, yeah, absolutely. But did you know that's not all that God says about loving him with your money? It's not just giving it to the church. Did you know our mentality about money is a way we love God? Because you and I have a mentality that it's, it's my money, and since it's mine, I can do with it whatever I want. But if it's not my money, now I can't do with it whatever I want. And what the Scripture says is all of it, not just the part I give, all of it belongs to Him. That makes me not an owner, but a am a manager. Managers check in with owners. Hey, is this what you want done here? It's not just what I do with a church that I'm talking to God about mine. It's what I do with everything. Hey, did you know you love God when you're paying your bills? God loves that when we... Pay our bills. And when we live life, that doesn't get us in a place where we can't pay our bills. Did you know you love God when you're providing for a family? See, it's not just one verse about money. It's all all kinds of verses. It's all kinds of verses about relationships. The good news is, folks that when we look at all of those questions and all of the work to think through that, it's not dependent upon your spiritual knowledge, your spiritual creativity, your spiritual insight to answer those questions. All we have to do is go to the book. Because every one of these commands is telling me how I can love God with my decisions, with my church, with my family, with my relationships, with my heart, with my mind. That's what the... Every time you and I read the Bible, we should go, oh... That's how I love God in this situation. That's how I love God in this problem. That's how I love God in this moment. That's why the the believer in God, the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, has to be a lover of Scripture. Because this book shows me how to love. It's not my thought. It's not my opinion on how God should feel loved. It's what his commands tell me. Boy, it still seems like a lot of work, doesn't it? A lot of que- there's a lot of questions to ask, and how do I know where all the verses and the commands? This just sounds like a lot of work, but he's worth it, right? Yes. Do you know he thought you were worth it? God had a plan for loving you. It's a plan that started before you were born. His plan includes words like promises. Forgiveness. His plan includes a word called heaven, adoption. His plan includes a word, sacrifice. His plan includes his very own son, Jesus Christ. Is God worthy? of you having a plan for how you're going to love them this week. Only you know what you're dealing with this week. Only you know what's on the schedule and what all's going on. Only you can go to God's Word and make a plan for how you're going to love them in every one of those things. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, may indeed we find you worthy I I pray that none of us ever gets over it that you found us worthy to love. And you moved and you put into place a very complex plan that is at work every day. Lord, may we be moved. And may we look at everything we've got coming up this week as an opportunity to love you. And may we adjust our heart and our mind, may we adjust our thinking so that we come to the place where the only thing that matters this week is not not the raise, it's not the success in the meeting, it's not the victory over that, it's that I love you in that. May I love you in that. Oh, Lord, may we find you worthy. And I pray next week as we gather again, our prayer requests, our thanksgiving, it's all about a plan of how we're seeking to love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.